So on this week's show on the Easy Crypto Podcast, we have Lewis Crompton. And Lewis is going to be telling us how he educates people in trading and obviously how people are involved in trading crypto. So without further ado, I'm going to uh, pass it over to Lewis to introduce himself and to tell us a little bit more about how he got into trading. Fantastic. Thank you very much, Chris. Um, so I'm going to try and keep a very long and varied life story very, very quick, just so you kind of get a bit of a background to me. But yes, my name is Lewis. I am 33 years old on Friday, mm-hmm. the 19th of August. So depending on when this goes out, I'll either be 32 or 33. Either way, I will be drowning my sorrows about my rapidly disappearing youth. Um, so yes, I started trading over eight years ago, nearly nine years ago now, um, when I I walked into a seminar by a man named Robert Kiyosaki, which people may or may not have heard of. And it was actually about property investment, except it wasn't about property investment because I signed up for the wrong seminar. So I signed up for the trading one, not the property one, because I'd always wanted to make my money, make more money and be good with money and things like that. So they sent me into the trading room and I was like, this sounds brilliant. I can be anywhere in the world. I can make money doing what I want to do. It was basically a fantastic sales pitch. (laughs) And I was like, yep, sign me up for a course. Let's do that. So um, I did a course and then it just kind of snowballed from there. Um, and about seven months after being on that training, I left my job and I started trading full time. I was working in retail at the time, originally on the shop floor, but worked my way into head office, um, which is where I then quit and started trading full time. Um, and about a year after that, they asked me to teach for them. So, yeah, that was a pretty exciting journey. So I traveled around the world and I traded. So I kind of got into trading by accident. Yes, I had the mindset of wanting to learn how to make money, make more money, but trading, although it had been an interest, stumbling across a way of doing that was very much an accident. So what do you like about trading? Um, Oh, so many things. So many things. I think my particular style of trading and what I teach other people to do means I only have to spend 30 minutes a day doing it. And I really like that. So for me, it's really low time commitment. I keep it really simple. Um, I'm not the best necessary with mathematics, so I use spreadsheets for everything. I'm sure every trader out there can agree we heavily rely on spreadsheets to tell us bits of information that we need to have. And the uh, fact I'm UK-based, so I use spread betting brokers, which means for me it's tax-free. And now if I'm trading crypto, that's different because I'm using crypto brokers and it's not tax-free in the UK, which some people seem to forget. But if I'm trading um, commodities or I'm trading indexes or if I'm trading uh, Forex, then it is tax-free because I'm using those brokers that allow it to be tax-free in the UK. Um, I also like that I can travel and be anywhere. I love traveling. It makes me feel alive. I love going to new places and meeting new people and eating weird and wonderful food, which when I was in Thailand didn't go well for me because I'm allergic to nuts. So I kept eating things, which meant I had to jab myself with an EpiPen. So not ideal, but was still an exciting place to be not because I was constantly near death and because it's just a cool place. So yeah, there was, there's all those things about trading, which I really, really love. So it's an interesting one is trading. Cause I mean, pretty much you can trade pretty much anything these days, whether it be soya beans or whether it be <laughs> Bitcoin or whether it be Solana or, or whether it be oil. Yeah. The yeah. methodology is the same. And obviously if you take us down the road as, as to the style that you you have, uh, that'd be that'd be quite good. Sure. Yeah. I always like to remember that people the modern incarnation of charting is based upon candles and candle patterns, which originated from rice traders back in I think it was Japan. 
um that's where it originated from in, in the rice futures market so yeah you can literally trade anything it's it's fantastic so my style of trading is very simple um i'm a i'm a technical based trader so i'm pattern based i look for patterns in the market i look for um that data based pattern recognition um and so we recently had our our methodology featured in bloomberg which was a dream come true which is pretty cool and basically what we do is we we do everything by data as chris we were chatting before everything you do is very very heavily data driven so what we do is we go into the market with a set of criteria looking for a particular pattern when we have that pattern we then need to identify alongside that pattern the clear criteria that the market needs to meet that need to be present in that moment at that time before we can actually enter a trade. And then we have clear criteria as well of where we have our entry, where we have our stock, where we have our target. But all of that decision-making process is pre-made. And by that, I mean, we've tested it. So we know based upon testing our strategy that when this pattern happens, this is most likely going to be the result. Not every time, because there's no such thing as a 100% winning strategy. If anyone disagrees with me and has a 100% winning strategy, please let me know and I'll take it. <laughs> there, there ain't no such thing as 100%. No, it there just isn't. does not exist. And anyone that tells you that, folks, run a mile. Run a mile. Run an absolute mile. Or report them to the FCA. One of the two. <laughs> yeah, because it's, it's scamming people, isn't it, really, if yeah. you think about it? It really I, is. I mean, at the end of the day, the thing is, is you can be winning a certain amount of time, but you've also got to focus on how to handle the losers. So how yeah. do you do that? That is a brilliant question. Um, and I should probably write a book on that because, I mean, you probably could do. Yeah, you could. Yeah, I think there's there's a few the kind of... Psychology of Trading is actually a very good book. Yeah, yeah. Mark uh, Mark Douglas, Trading in the Zone. That's also yeah. a really good book. Uh, Stop Failing, Start Trading. That's an ebook by me. That's also very good. <laughs> Subtle plug there. Um, but no, the um, I think there's a, there's a few key mindset tips that I use and I, I have helped me and that I teach to my mentees as well. So one of them is that this is one trade in your next 1000 trades. So really, really think about the perspective of it. So looking at this one trade, if you're emotional about it, don't be emotional about one trade. You It's just one trade in your next 1000. Even if you have a run of losers, you have to remember that that is part of the process. You won't just you won't go loser winner 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 loser winner 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 that isn't necessarily how it's going to happen you could have a bank of losers that simply comes down to random distribution and whatever's happening in the market now we hope that doesn't happen but you could have a set of five losing trades you could have a set of 10 losing trades the probability of that happening is quite low but we do have to bear in mind it's possible so again what i do is i go back to our data and I always encourage my students to do this, go back to your data when you have a couple of losing trades because you can see through that data, okay, well, I've had a losing trade or this strategy because we have multiple strategies, but this strategy, when it has a bad run in the market, the worst case it's been over the past three years, five years, however long we backtested it, it's always a minimum of three years. Then we know that it could have a losing run of X to, up to X amount of trades in a row. Okay, fine. We understand that it's part of the process. Just got to reaffirm that we are following the process. We're following the principles. Then what I'll have them do is go back to their trades, which have just lost. And I'll have them relook at them with fresh eyes. So these trades that you've taken, which have lost, would you still take them if the same scenario, the same setup 
the same conditions in the market were present? If the answer is no, then it's a bad trade and you shouldn't have taken it in the first place. So you can kind of explain that one. If the answer is yes, then you just have to acknowledge that that's part of the process of trading. We don't win 100% of the time. So those are some of the elements and, and key groundings we have in terms of our approach and our thinking, which really help people build their confidence as a trader, but also give you perspective as to what this one trade or a few trades mean if they're losing trades. Yeah, you touch you you made a key point there. Uh, I just want to bring it up probability. Trading is all about probability. Yeah. Um, if you don't have the skills and you do not know what the probability is, it then becomes gambling. Mm-hmm. And I think that basically, you know, people say to you, oh, you trade, that's, you're a gambler. It's like, no. If you're a skilled trader and you have you know what your results are and you know what your results are going to be because of your strategy, yeah. then it's down to probability. If the probability of the trade going through is a one in three scenario, then you know that you're going to be losing it in 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 that scenario yeah. a third of the time. Yeah. So it, it is a case of probabilities the most important part. And then psychology is another part. Yeah. Now we've touched on this. And I think uh I think basically if you get emotional within a trade and you're too emotional, then the chances are you've got too big a size. Yeah. Uh, because obviously if you say to yourself, I am only going to lose $300 a trade and you're getting emotional, then your size is too big for yeah. $300. Make it $30. Yeah. I don't advocate demo trading because I think it, it uh, lulls people into a false sense of security. And demo results are never the same as real results for some reason. Absolutely. Because you don't get emotional about potentially losing a trade when it's a demo. So then potentially you might hold on to it and then it comes back and then you end up making more money. Yeah. Actually, in the real world, you see you're losing money, you cut your loss. Mm-hmm. And then obviously you then go, well, actually, it's not happened how it was going to happen in the, in, in, in the demo. Yeah, yeah, I completely agree. And I, I, I tend to not recommend demo trading at all. I say demo trade for a maximum of a week or two if you're new to a broker just so you can get used to that broker. But really, you're backtesting your data that you've created. That is your that is your demo trading. That should tell you whether or not the strategy is or isn't going to work. It shouldn't be based on demo trading because it's not, like you said, it's not real. Now, obviously, when we're talking trading, I mean, obviously, we're talking general trading today. You can apply this to any asset. And obviously, particularly in particular, we obviously a lot of people out there do trade Bitcoin. Uh, myself personally, I do not trade crypto. I tend to invest in it, and mm-hmm. obviously, we we mine. Complementary situation is that basically, when when the markets are going down, you make more money uh, short in the markets. But on the mining side, we're getting more coins because less uh, miners mine. So the yeah. two kind of asset classes complement each other. But just to touch on the crypto side, obviously. Crypto and it is 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 an emerging technology as we know, but I think what I really like about the side of trading crypto, uh, from a point of view, we're also coders as well. So obviously we code we code in crypto, is the ability to see if a trade will work out. I do an arbitrage trade, yeah, and if it doesn't, roll it back. Yeah, you can't. And obviously the on-chain analysis that you have with Bitcoin and ETH 
you don't have that sort of data in the big uh, open markets like on the S&P 500 as an example. Yeah. So it, it lends itself really well to trading, does crypto. But obviously, from a point of view, if you're trading it longer term, do you look towards potentially looking at like swing trade analysis then? If you're looking at, you know, particular, and then potentially bringing in the fundamentals, i.e. is it a good coin? Is Has it got a utility? Is it going to be around in five years? What do you yeah. look for when you're looking at your crypto portfolio? Um, really, really good question. I think it, it comes down to the difference between are you trading or are you investing? So as a trader, I primarily am a swing trader. I'm in, I'm looking at daily charts. I'm looking at weekly charts. I'm in a position for a few days to a few weeks. And that is why I only have to trade for 30 minutes a day. So I'm not day trading within that 30 minutes. I'm doing analysis based on pure patterns, pure technicals, um, and I'm raising orders, which are going to either trigger in or not trigger me in. Once they trigger in, they automatically will either get taken out at profit or taken out at a loss. Going back to what you said before, if you're overly emotional, then you're risking too much. Um, and we cap our risk on any single trade that we place at 1% maximum of our account. So again, we've got that low risk element. So again, looking back at crypto, when I'm buying to hold, because I'm investing for a five-year, 10-year goal, then yeah, I'm definitely thinking, is this actually a good project? Does this have longevity? Does it have utility? Do I believe in what the project is trying to achieve and what it's doing? Those are the kind of questions I'm asking. And then I might also layer on the technicals to think, is this a good time based upon where I believe we are in the process and the cycle to actually be buying and investing into that particular coin? Um, now, I personally am a, when it comes to the major coins, so Ethereum, Bitcoin, and Solana as well, I'm a dollar cost averager. So I'm buying in bit by bit. That's my style. When it comes to trading Forex, stocks and shares, and that type of thing, and I'm doing it on a swing trading perspective, I'm not looking at any of those fundamentals because I don't have the time in my 30 minutes. So there's kind of that difference and that separation there. But yes, when it comes to crypto, I do look at other factors other than just the technicals. So it's a good point you made there. I mean, I'm I'm a big advocate of dollar cost averaging. I think it's, to be honest, it's your best way for crypto. Mm-hmm. Um, it, the swings are just too large. Yeah. Uh, you know, Bitcoin swung uh, on a number of occasions by as much as 80% down um, to then obviously then uh, rally in uh in that situation and obviously if we were trading say for instance the s&p or an apple there's no way we'd tolerate that type of level of swing yeah yeah completely so but the dca inside is 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 priceless i mean god if you did dca into apple yeah at the beginning same with Amazon. I mean, Amazon's another one. Amazon did go down by 80% uh, at the height uh, of the dot-com boom. You know, you'd be you'd be uh, quids, quids in. It's true. And I think I th- I'm always careful with that, although I completely agree. I'm always careful with that because that's with hindsight. It was a good idea to dollar cost average those particular companies. There's been plenty of companies who are on par with those companies in the early stages. Um, and then disappeared. So if you dollar cost average into them, you wouldn't be in a, you wouldn't, you wouldn't have made that money back. You probably would have lost that money mm. or not have had the yeah, same yeah. level of growth. So I'm, I completely agree. But I always think with hindsight, it's easy to feel that way. I mean, I remember being in the gym locker room. I promise you this is a, this is an okay story for the airwaves. 
Um, but I was in the gym locker room and this I got chatting to this guy and he was telling me about Bitcoin. And this was about 10, 11 years ago. But I had no financial understanding whatsoever. I had no concept of investing. I had none of that because this was before I was investing myself in anything. And I, th- I often think back to that moment, like if only I'd known Bitcoin was, I don't know, less than a pound a coin or something at that point, I could have, I could have bought in and I've made an absolute fortune if I just took and took and taken a 10 pound risk on that. I could have been absolutely minted now from just that decision, um, but I didn't. So I, I sometimes regret that decision, but at the same point, I didn't know what I now know. So you can only make the decisions in the moment with what you actually know and the information you have access to. Otherwise, that would have been a gamble. And I don't believe in gambling. Again, circling back to what you said before, I don't believe that what we do as investors is gambling. I think people can approach the markets like it's a slot machine because they're not educated, they're not systematic, they don't have data behind them. But I also think people can set up a business in the same way. It becomes a bit of a gamble. It becomes a bit of a uh, a guesswork thing and they'll be lucky if they make money. It's the, it's the same with setting up a business. It's the same with um, walking out your house for anything. There is a probability factor that you could get hit by a car, that something could happen. But you take precautions, you act in a certain way, which makes that less likely to happen. And it's the same with our investing. We base our decisions and how we behave in the market on what we know is most likely going to give us the result that we're looking for. Yeah, I mean, it's an interesting one. I mean, obviously, hindsight's a powerful thing. And obviously, like you say, I think we'd all, we've all could repeat the conversation about Bitcoin. Yeah. Um, but I, I think it's a case of with crypto, 98% will fail, 2% will, will be very successful. And obviously, they will go to the sky, so to speak. And it is how you pick them. And obviously, it is a case of do not put all your eggs in one basket. Yeah. Um, we touched before on base before air about not having all your money in crypto. Yeah. Um, which again we're advocates of that because obviously we're in property and uh we trade. Um yeah. which were very different with how the money we handle, obviously the ones yeah, yeah. when we trade in we don't hold money overnight, so there's no overnight risk. I, I think basically if you put in what you can risk, that's the best advice anyone could give you because at the end of the day you know there will be these situations especially with crypto at the moment obviously today as we we uh record this podcast as in 1.2 billion stolen from uh stable coin on polka dot which is obviously not, uh, not good at all and i think basically it's still very very early days for crypto and obviously if, you, if you're an average everyday investor and if you to put your money in that then it's a it's a disaster if yeah. if it's a large proportion. Yeah. Obviously, if it's a balanced proportion, yeah, you're going to be pissed about it. Yeah. You're not going to be. You're not going to. You know, it's not going to be the end of the world, so to speak. Exactly. Exactly. Um, and I think that's why because I invest in property as well. Um, I got into property because I made money trading, and then I wanted to put my money into tangible assets because there's a tr- a shorter term trader, which is what a swing trader is. Um, I'm in positions for a short period of time. I don't own an asset. So that's why I wanted to get involved in property. So when I started investing in property, it actually felt riskier to me than trading because yes, I may have, I don't know, I'm just going to pick easy numbers here for easy math. I may have a hundred thousand pounds in my trading account. Um, but on each trade, I'm only risking 1% of that. So I'm only risking 1000. Whereas when I buy a property, I potentially have a lot more at risk. Yes. Okay. It's asset backed, but I could. I stand to potentially lose a lot more if things don't go well. 
Whereas if a trade doesn't go well and it loses, I lose that 1%. I'm not too worried. I have far lower stress levels and anxiety levels around that than I do with property. I mean, there's many things that can go wrong with property. Um, I mean, we're big advocates of property. I think it's a case of being balanced. Mm-hmm. I think the the thing is, is these days, if if you're clever about it, you can actually, you know, be in both and they complement each other in a sense that yeah, if you've got fifty thousand Bitcoin as an example, as in value of Bitcoin, you then can borrow yeah, uh, you can in say for instance USD and collateralize that Bitcoin and then put that deposit into a house and then get the income off the house to then dollar cost average back into the crypto. Yeah, so it's a circle, and by doing that, it's actually then exponential. Yeah, so it's. Yeah. I think it's a case of um, don't put all your eggs in basket what in 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 one basket and have different elements. Do it trade, really is. Yeah. Do 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 crypto, do yeah. do property. I mean, property's been very kind to us. I I think I would always say my well, property's been very mean to me. Has <laughs> it? My yeah, just just bad experiences with bad tenants and things like that. That's a that's a whole separate podcast. I mean, tenants setting fire to the property because they got asked to move out because they stopped paying rent. Um, students running motorbikes through properties, all of that kind of fun stuff. Yeah, turning the property into a drug den. Yeah, it's been great. Don't buy in Middlesbrough. That's what I'll say. Just. Just avoid that. <laughs> it, you know, uh, we we uh, one of one of our first businesses was uh, an estate agency. Uh-huh. Um, after coming out of the the banking, and we always say we could write a book. I bet you could. I bet uh, you could. On the the back to light side, because you just yeah. could not make it up. Yeah. Uh, and to this day, I can remember all the different tenants and all the different problems yeah. we had. And, you just, you just, you just couldn't make it up. I mean, we once, we once did have um, a brothel in one of the uh, properties. And oh wow! Police came and round and visited us in, 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 at the offices and said, "We're going to do you for ill-gotten gains unless you get rid of them." I'm like, "Well, isn't it your job to get rid of them?" No, they're like, "We're going to make you get rid of them. You get rid of them, and if not, we do you." So then. It was absolutely hilarious in the office because I'm just like, oh shit, I've got to go bloody kick a lot of prostitutes out. <laughs> and all my staff were like, no, I'm going to go. I want to yeah. go. And he's like, no, I want to go. And then literally all of them are like arguing over who was going to go to tell them to leave. Uh, fortunately, they left. They left quite uh, promptly. Promptly and uh, yeah. quiet, quietly. But uh, yeah, I, was... police are funny ones, aren't they? Sometimes I don't understand how it can be your fault when you're not the one in charge or making the money from it. It doesn't make any sense. It's it's nuts. I mean, at the end of the day, the the, the stories are just absolutely hilarious. Some of them. Yeah. I mean, the staff as well. You say about you know you know running business and stuff. Staff are, can add to that as well. Yeah. I never I never forget in that in that particular business we had um a guy and he was a real good salesman. And he drove around. We had a fleet of smart cars, and they were all livid up, all with the, the 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 branding and stuff. What would you not do when you're passing a police car? You wouldn't overtake a police car no. at speed. And that's just, this is what he did. Uh, and uh, I was like, James, what have you done? What have you done? Anyway, the police. So he overtook this police car. I had a race with a police car, and the police um came into office, and I knew. At that point, I'm like, oh, shit, he's in some serious shit here. And um, he's like, do you know what's happened? I said, yeah, I'm aware, I'm aware of what's happened. He says, can we have a chat with him? 
she says, we want to know why, why he'd done this. And I'm like, and I know James was an absolute clown and he was a, a really lovable guy. Yeah. And, you know, he always said the wrong thing at the wrong moment. So I went and got him and, and the police, you know, why, why did you, you have a race with us and overtake us? And he said, well, I had a drugs delivery and I was late for it. <laughs> I was just like, oh my God, Jesus Christ, man. I was just like, I mean, I assume he was joking. He was joking. He was absolutely yeah. joking. And the police was like, he's not taking it seriously. I'm like, James never takes it seriously. Yeah. But like, then he turned around to us and said, it's your lucky day. We need a place to stake out to, to actually look um, to, to that kind of, you know, watch drug dealers. Yeah. And we just so happened we had an empty property. It's like, you give us this property and uh, call it even. Call it even. Fortunately, um, we were able to do that. But I mean, this is like going back 17, 15, 17 years ago, something like that. Yeah. Yeah. So, but yeah, property is. Property is, is not an easy game. No, it isn't. It's really this not. is what a lot of people think. And everybody say, everyone's like, oh, crypto's a scam. You know, our trading's a scam and stuff like that. It's like, it's not. There, no. there are some bad people out there and some bad operators in trading, and some bad operators in, in, in crypto, but there's also some bad operators in property. Yeah. And, and people don't exactly. realize the stress that, and it is unfortunate. It's rich landlord, poor tenant. Yeah. Right. So, and I'll never forget when I went, first time I went to court, this guy owed me uh, 2,000 quid. He'd not paid his rent. And I was like, you know, it's a clear done deal that we're going to get awarded the rent. Tenant turned around and said he, he feared for his life because there was a crack in the ceiling above his bed and that we'd not taken it seriously. And judge turned around and says, well, it just happens a bit of plaster dropped on my head the other day. And he awarded 700 quid against me. Wow. And I never saw a penny. I didn't give him 300 years to pay it off as well. So we never it's just saw ridiculous, a penny isn't it? It's ridiculous. So, trading is definitely, potentially, if you can control your emotions, is potentially easier than back to Yeah, I completely but, agree. There's far less moving parts. There's less people to control. It's you and it's the market and that's it. You get a bad tenant, it's five grand. Yeah. If you, if you get a bad tenant to get them out, it's five grand. Compare that with crypto, compare that with trading. Like you say, if you set your, your loss at yeah. $300 or, you know, whatever you're happy with, that's your loss. It's, uh, yeah, completely it's, agree. It, but they all complement each other, and that's what I said. They do. And it's for me, it's uh, it's the I actually just did a um, YouTube video on this um, about, and part of that video was about multiple streams of income. And you know that there's that well-known phrase in like personal development, personal finance of like the average millionaire has seven streams of income. Um, and I'm a big believer in that. However, what I'm not a big believer in is trying to do all seven at the same time. I think that's, that's lunacy. You need to master something, focus on it and use that as a springboard of capital to start investing in other ones. So for me, the way I did it is I used trading to create capital that I could then put into property that now generates its money, which I put further into property and i can then use the combined income for other assets which i might buy whether that's crypto whether that's art whether that's when well, i'm a trader so i should probably own a rolex watch <laughs> um i uh, don't have the lamborghini yet i'm still very happy with my voxel Corsa, which barely leaves my drive so yeah yeah well it's, um, it's interesting to say that because someone said to me the other day they're like you're not a real trader <laughs> I says, why, why is that? He said, you don't drive a, Lamb a Lamborghini, so you don't inspire me. 
And I was like, wow. I was like, mm, this is an interesting one because he said to me, what do you drive? I says, well, I drive a Golf GTE yeah. day to day. Which is still a nice car. Yeah. Got a Porsche and we, it's a collector's Porsche, but we don't drive it generally. And, but it's like even a Porsche in a special car, it's not a special car. I'm like, Jesus Christ, what, what impression do you have of, yeah. of traders? I'm like, at the end of the day, and then it, but, and it was interesting because then I racked my brain as to knowing all the traders that I know. And some of them are, are, are a hell of a lot richer than me, you know, high net worth individuals. And not one of them has a Lamborghini. Yeah. In fact, one that I know that's like, you know, in the multi-millions drives a Cayman. And it's an amazing car because that's what that's the Porsche that we've got. But it, it was really, really interesting, the perception on... Uh, on this guy's uh it's a weird perception yes and it depends what you like i've i'm a fairly i think it's youtube oh really i think it's youtube that does oh yeah with yeah with people creating this perception they're trying to sell a dream though aren't they and let's be honest we all know that most of those lamborghinis you see from these traders are rented yeah exactly and i just would rather be smarter with my money and give an example to people being smart with your money that's that's what I'm a big believer in. And I'm very lucky that most of my community, well, all of my community, don't have that perception that the Lamborghini is what makes you a successful trader. Why would I buy a Lamborghini when I barely drive, when I could take that money, invest that into other assets, which make me more money? If I, the only caveat That's I'll say to that, Absolutely the only caveat smart. I'll say is if I have enough money to afford a Lambo, Lambo truly, um, and I love Lamborghinis for whatever reason, that's part of my DNA and I absolutely love them, then fair enough. I do not absolutely love a Lamborghini. I'm not that inspired by cars. I would much rather rent a beautiful car for a weekend to do some fun driving than I'd give it back because I barely drive on a day-to-day basis. That my mentor had a really nice mode. car. Yeah, and he he taught me this. He was like, why am I living? And he, he was like, it sits in my drive six out of seven days and on the seventh day, I drive to the shop and back in this super expensive car that's costing me five grand a month just to sit there. That's why we drive the Golf, because the Golf's electric. Yeah. If you put miles on, on a collector's car, then, to be honest, the, the, the value of the car didn't yeah. go well. So it's, 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 it is an interesting one, though, the perception on what people think of, of what traders are. And, and in reality, those particular traders are tend to be the ones that end up getting sued. Yeah. I think there's one or two big YouTube traders. I don't know if you know, recently have just been fined by the SEC. Really? I didn't know that. That's yeah, brilliant. For, mi- for misleading people. And that is really have, good. They have got, and I can't mention names, uh, they've got over 100,000, uh, no, sorry, nearly a million followers. Wow. A million followers. I'm like, Jesus Christ, there's, there's a lot of people getting misled. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I said, is there's no substitutes to getting in front of the charts. You know, it is a case of get to know how the market moves, decide what you're going to trade. I mean, obviously, like, like I said to you before, we don't trade many different symbols. We tend to trade the the cues. Yeah. Um, and But we know the cues like the back of his hand. Yeah, um, yeah. And I think it is a case of if you get that style, then we don't touch penny stocks. Um, yeah. And... I think it's a case of uh, it's the same with being crypto as well. Get to know the crypto. Get yeah. if you if you're going to trade Bitcoin, get to know it inside and out. 
I yeah. mean, Bit Bitcoin and crypt and and ETH trade very very differently to the queues because it's a twenty four seven product. Yeah. Um. You, you know, and when Asia comes online, crypto tends to move more because it tends to be who the players are. So okay, yeah. it's a case of really get to know your asset inside and out, and and go from there. So we're coming to the end of the podcast. So we have a few uh, questions, and you're quite young. So <laughs> even when your birthday is just pending. So don't yeah. think for, don't think thirty three is uh, uh, old because it's not. What would you tell your twenty one year old self? Oh, what would I, I was about to say, don't do that master's degree. Um, That's an my, interesting one. I like that. Yeah, one. but then in hindsight, I, you never know kind of what having those things, what other doors that's opened for you, even if it's just because having a master's degree gave someone an impression. What did you do your master's in? Theology. Theology. So study of God, study of religion. Yeah. Uh, so what would I tell my younger self? Just keep going. I said, my problem is I, I find questions like that really tough because I wouldn't change anything about my history. Well, because then that's, that's the answer then. That's the yeah. Answer. Yeah. Because I, I, I'm a big believer that every single thing I've experienced or been through has led me to this point now. So if I had have shortcut the journey somewhere, then I would be missing out on my experiences led me to feeling and thinking and behaving the way I do now in some way. It's an interesting one. You say that because I definitely think we would never have arrived in crypto if mm. it hadn't have been prior to when we sold the property business, we then went into conferencing as in mm -hmm. co-working um, and we had a key, uh, co-working venue and then COVID hit. Um, and then that failed. Mm -hmm. uh, and literally, we looked at what we could use and what we could do after that. And that's when we got into the crypto. That's when we got into the crypt, uh, crypto mining. Yeah. I don't think we'd have ever got into the crypto mining if we hadn't have failed. Interesting. So it is, it is um, everything, like you say, everything happens for a reason. Mm. And you should never look at the failures as a failure, so to speak, as in it's it's a learning exercise. And yes, we did lose money, but the fact is, is we gained a lot of knowledge and, yeah. and that made a massive, uh, massive difference. Yeah. And uh, I think I think basically with the crypto side of things, it's just an, it's such an exciting period. Uh, and yeah. trading is a key element in that. Obviously, you you know, you've got a lot of big Bitcoin traders, you've got a lot of ETH traders. Uh, and then you've got a lot of people doing the, you know, the altcoins. More so retail, more so than institutions. But obviously, mm -hmm. as, as we see now, we're seeing institutions. So I, I think it, it's a really exciting space to be in, to be trading. Yeah. So what I'd say is, is what coin do you think is going to be one to look at for the future? I personally think Solana is underrated still. That's my perception. I think there's so much going on with I think, that. I think there's yeah. a lot of FUD with Solana. Um, I think they've ran before they can walk, and this hence the reason we've got the network issues. Mm -hmm. But I think the concept of being fast uh, is critical to mm -hmm. success in what they're doing. So I, I do think Solana's a good one. We, yeah. we actually auto-trade into Solana, so we mine... Mm -hmm. Uh, ETH and, and Ravencoin and then auto trade into Solana because we do think long term Solana is actually going to do well. Yeah. I think you've got some 
big institutions, i.e. the likes of Grayscale, that are already in Solana. So that mm-hmm. kind of, it, it, if they're there, then it's definitely sure. It's got, got some a... longevity, I think. Yeah, exactly is what I'm trying to say. It'll be interesting to see uh, what happens. Yeah. So yeah. how do people find out more about what you do? Where do you want them to go? So um, Instagram, I spend a lot of time there. Um, so we'll, so, put that, we'll put that in the show notes. Yeah. Um, and make sure you follow the correct link because unfortunately in this space, there's a lot of frauds of me who tried to scam people out of money. Uh, so get the right one. Um, one thing I'm offering people who um, listen to me on podcasts is I did a five-day training live. Um, it was in like a, a week-long challenge, so like an hour, an hour and a half each evening. I did that live and, and charged a fair amount of money for that a couple of months back now. But I've taken all the recordings of that, and I just think it was such a brilliant introduction to how to trade financial markets across Forex, Crypts and everything. So I'm going to be offering that out to people for a ridiculously reduced price as an introduction. It's something like, well, it's less than 30 pounds, I think. So I'll give people a link to that if they want to do that too. But yeah, if you just want to reach out and have a chat, then Instagram is probably the best way. Awesome. That sounds that sounds great to me. It's been a pleasure having you on. And it's been interesting. Uh, it's from uh, one fellow trader to another fellow trader. Uh, having a, a good old chat. Yeah. I wish you well in the future. and. Uh, speak to you soon thank you very much chris thank you for having me cheers you're welcome thank you for joining me today and listening to this episode as i've gone on my crypto journey myself over the last couple of years i'm all too aware of the overwhelming amount of information available online when it comes to investing in crypto so thank you for choosing the easy crypto podcast it means a lot to me hopefully what i've shared today will help you on your investing journey just like it did me There's no reason why you can't go and make use of what you've learned today straight away. I'm living proof that these secrets and strategies I've shared with you do work. Please, by all means, feel free to share this with someone else you know who could benefit from it. That's the quickest way that we can build a collaborative community where we can share tricks and strategies which can turn our crypto investments into big profits. In the meantime, make sure that you subscribe to the podcast so that you never miss the latest tricks, which could transform your crypto future. Every week, we'll be covering a different aspect of crypto investment. So whether it's NFTs, mining, or the metaverse, you really can't afford to miss out. Thanks again for tuning in. I'm Christopher Hitchin, and this is the Easy Crypto Podcast, and I'll see you next time.